Okay, everybody, welcome back once again to Tech Gumbo. I'm Haggai Davis II, along with Haggai Davis III, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Here on our show, we like to talk about the past, present, and future of all things technology in a topical, interesting, and digestible way. Without geek speak or a bunch of acronyms, we just want to talk about technology that's important to us and important to you. We also want to thank Cardinal Capital. To business owners and CEOs, hopefully you have a good relationship with your lender. Even if you do, sometimes you face other challenges, such as a need to consolidate debt, a want to level out your cash flow, or a desire to buy new equipment because you're in growth mode. If this describes you, give Cardinal Capital a call, whatever your need or challenge. They have over 4,000 lenders where they source commercial capital for business clients. Chris, Gary, and Rob at Cardinal Capital have a passion for business, and they want you to succeed. When you meet with Cardinal Capital, they get to know you and your business, so they can present your needs to lending institution that will best fit your unique situation. In short, they go after money for your business. They translate your business into what's important for lenders, and they are good at it. Depending upon what the deal is, no matter how complicated or straightforward, they will help maximize your profitability while setting your business up for success. They find the best solution for your situation, all while being fun and easy to deal with. For more detailed information, visit their website at cardinalcap.net. You can also call them 225-308-3700 or email them info at cardinalcap.net. Okay, Mr. Davis, let's do ourselves some tech gumbo today. Like we always like to do, start off with the news and updates. First, the story we wanted to talk about was a what can only be called a fear-mongering story over the new iPhone technology called NameDrop. Yes. So first, let's explain what the technology is, and then we'll explain what it is not. So NameDrop is a new function on iOS 17. And the way that it works is if you unlock your phone and then you basically touch it to another iPhone that is also unlocked, you can share contact information. That is what this feature is. The name name drop is designed to invoke the name airdrop, but instead of being able to be from the entire room away, you do have to be almost touching their phone. One to three centimeters is the official number. It does come turned on automatically when you upgrade to iOS 17. The default is for it to be on. Now, the problem with some law enforcement agencies and news media outlets have grabbed the story and trying to get some clicks, I'm sure, to say, hey, this could be dangerous because if you have it turned on and the iPhone next to you has it turned on and y'all accidentally bump into each other, you might trade information accidentally. It's if your phone is unlocked and their phone is unlocked and then you you bump phones and then then you hit the button that says share and then they hit the button that says share all completely without knowing it, then you, you might trade contact information. But there's a whole lot of things that have to happen there. And that's it's, it's this is a really low priority. And at the end of the day, it's. You got their contact information, they got your contact information. If a number texts you and you don't want the text on that number, block it. That's, <laughs> I blocked like probably two or three times a week, I'll get some text message. Hey, Linda, would you like to go to the beach today? My name is not Linda. I do not know that, that person and I block it. 
And so the potential for harm here seems exceedingly low and exceedingly unlikely. The fact that Good Morning America also spent time to, oh my goodness, over this is pretty ridiculous. And, oh, by the way, you can go in to the name drop feature and decide exactly which what contact information you want shared. So if all you want is your first and last name and your cell phone number, but no other contact information, then that is the only information that would have been shared. And that kind of is not a real big security risk, in my opinion. Well, yeah, the, the original news story comes from police departments who inaccurately claimed that information could be shared without your screen being unlocked and that anyone could place their contact information into your phone. And that's not how either of these things works. You know, we, we give Apple a hard time about security, but they do think about the bare minimum here. And so it's very easy to design your features such that the user has to take some active action in order to make this happen. The user has agency in the situation. It's not just a passive thing that happens. You know, if I'm standing on the subway, then I'm not just going to pick up 14 people's contact information. Obviously, that's a ridiculous use case, and I think Apple's thought about that. Yes, when when your Apple device and someone else's comes really close, you're going to see a pop-up message do you want to save the other person's contact information? If you have said, yes, I want to share my information with this other person. But if you've not clicked on, yes, I want to share, then they can't save your information. They can't see your information. You on your, you have to click on, I want to share my information with this other phone before it works. And the you devices just have as, to be touching the whole time. It's not like you just brush past them and it happens instantly. This is a probably 10 to 15 second process. And so this is really not something you need to be concerned about. But if you were concerned in the least, but the easiest thing to do is go to your settings, go to general, then to airdrop. And then there'll be a little slider button for, for the name drop. And you just tap that little green button to where it becomes gray. And then airdrop goes away, and this whole five minutes is not worth talking about anymore. Agreed. Something you should be worried about, though, is porch pirates. As we are entering into the, the delivery season, at the time between Thanksgiving and Christmas, whenever a lot of Americans start to order more and more packages, be on the lookout for when they get delivered to your front door, people might steal them. In the year 2022, 260 million boxes disappeared from U.S. homes, which was 50 million more than the year 2021. So in just two years time, that's a half billion boxes that have disappeared from porches. And just it, I think it's worth taking a moment to take a step back to think about the scale and complexity of this entire operation that in two years, Half a billion packages have gone missing. How many packages make it to their destination? It's overwhelmingly most, probably 90%, 95, 99. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but think about how many billions of boxes are delivered. An astounding fact in and of itself to me. 
it was announced this week that Amazon now is the largest courier package courier in the US. They deliver more packages by themselves than UPS and FedEx. Wow. I, I remember we talked about it in 2017 on this show whenever Amazon first made the decision to no longer use FedEx to do it themselves. Well, paying off. Yes, it is. And oh, by the way, the article we found, it did list the 10 best cities for Porch Pirates, Miami, Tampa, Raleigh, North Carolina, Orlando, Cleveland, Detroit, Cincinnati, Nashville, San Diego, and San Antonio. It also listed the 10 worst cities, San Francisco, Seattle, Austin, Hartford, Connecticut, Sacramento, Los Angeles, Portland, Oregon, Fresno, Milwaukee, and New Orleans. Yay, Louisiana made it up there again. The fascinating thing about this list is that there doesn't appear to be any rhyme or reason to it. That's why is San Diego good and Los Angeles bad? Why is Austin good or why is San Antonio good and Austin bad? Both those cities are, you know, 75 to 100 miles apart. And you really can't tell me that the culture in one is that much different than the culture in the other. So it appears to be a lot of randomness here. So here's what you can do in order to remove yourself from that statistic. The first thing you can do is set up an Amazon delivery day. So if you are working away from the house five days a week, don't have Amazon deliver everything on a Wednesday. You know you're going to be at the house. Have Amazon deliver everything that you order on Saturday so you'll know you'll be there when when all the packages come rolling in the door at the same time. Yeah, this also will make everything a little bit more efficient. Uh, that's kind of nice. You can also send your packages to remote pickup locations. Amazon has their hub lockers across the country. And so if you don't think that you can have it be secure at your home location, go pick it up from a nearby location. Have, again, all your packages delivered at the same day, at the same time to that spot. And so you do get the benefit of not trekking all across the city, but you are going out and picking it up from somewhere. It's not the convenience of to your front door. And Whole Foods are some of those pickup places as well. The other thing you can do is you can have a scheduled garage delivery. So you can get a device hooked on the outside of your, your garage and the Amazon delivery person walks up. They can tap a, a, a button that's coded to your package. It will open your garage door. They can leave that package inside your garage door. They tap the button and now it closes it. It's a one-time only tap for that package. So they can't come back later and tap that same door to open it. That's a nice little feature if you trust the Amazon delivery person to open your garage door. Or if you have a garage door. Some people just don't have garage doors. They just have open carports. And so, you know, that's there's only... There's so many different edge cases that you have to solve here because you can also provide a smart delivery box. Maybe you have just a giant safe on your front porch. There's some of them that are out there, the Danby Parcel Guard or the Yale Smart Delivery Box. Both of them are a couple hundred dollars and the reviews aren't great are either on either. And Amazon notes it's a frequently returned product. So if you're... A victim of porch pirates on a regular basis, 
there are ways to help yourself. The next thing we wanted to talk about, and we, we've talked about it in the past, this is somewhat of a follow-up. Google is going to begin deleting inactive accounts in December. But they're defining inactive very conservatively. It is an account which has not been touched at all in the past two years. So if you send any sort of emails on your Gmail, if you you know log in to watch YouTube videos, if you do anything at all that touches any sort of Google service with that account, it is completely fine. That's not just going to Google Maps unless you're going to Google Maps through your your Google account. But if you're doing that, okay, that's fine. You're telling Google you still exist. Google is not doing this to save hard drive space. That's the big misconception here. They're doing this for security reasons. Because if you have a, a Gmail account or some Google account that's more than two years old, and it's been inactive for at least two years, it probably has very old passwords, probably has passwords you've shared multiple times. If somebody hacks into that account, now they've got your old passwords. They're going to go try them everywhere they can. And that's a security risk. Yes, that's exactly what this is. It is culling the herd. It is making sure that there are not just these targets for people to go shoot at. That if something is, if people are using their accounts, Google wants you to use your account. Google wants that account to be active. You know, they want to be gathering your data on it. But if it's just sitting there and you've forgotten about it and you don't remember what the password is because it's been so long, then it just, it's good security behavior on Google's part to do this clean out. And they are going to send multiple emails in advance. They're not just going to randomly, oh, we hadn't seen that account used in two years. Boom, it's gone. They're going to have sent email after email. They're going to contact that account, contact that account, contact that account. You don't respond to that account. Okay, it's gone. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good sign. If, if you're not getting the emails that say, hey, look, this is this account is up for up for deletion, then then don't worry about it. Moving along, digital car keys. We've seen where you use your smartphone to open the hotel doors. I've actually used it several times now. Now we're talking about maybe using your smartphone to open your car door and start your car for you. This is fascinating. And on one hand, it's pretty easy to imagine this technology working. Because if I can tap my phone uh, to pay for something, you know, tap to pay at a cashier uh, in New York City, I can tap to pay my subway fare. And so both those are pretty secure, pretty safe, pretty fast, pretty reliable technologies. I could imagine that working on a car. But again, one of the things we've talked about several times before is your phone is becoming a single point of failure for a lot of systems in our lives. That's right. When you start putting all of your eggs in the one basket in, oh, you lost your phone while you were walking through the mall. How do you get home? If you can't find your phone somewhere here in the house, oh, one of those kids got my phone again. What do they do with it? But you've got to leave. Well, you better hope you still had that spare key hanging around. Yeah. Redundancy is an important portion here is that is it okay? There's also a key and you can use your cell phone to unlock your car or is it only you can use your cell phone to unlock your car? I think that that having that backup is a great way to make sure that this 
technology adds to our lives and not restricts our lives. Now, let's be clear. This technology is not out there yet. This is not a widespread available. There's one or two cars that have tests on, on this. It's got a lot of work that still needs to be done. There needs to be a lot of standardization. Where Are we going to use near-field communication? Are we going to go ultra-wide brand? Are we going to go Bluetooth? How are we going to be communicating? Because you can't have Ford does this and General Motors does that and Honda does it this way and Toyota does entirely a fourth different thing. Everybody has to agree to the same technology. And then the iPhone and Android phones all have to agree. We're going to use the same technology in the app that communicates with the phones. We've got to have that standardization. Start there, and now we can go forward. That's a great point that this really has to be multiple different industries coming together. It's not just Apple and Google that have to agree. It's Apple and Google and the car manufacturers all have to agree. But the good news is, is that if they do all come to the table and all sit down and start discussing things, they can place a large emphasis on security. Tap to pay is a very secure technology. We have not done any stories of people having their information stolen or people getting hacked through that, that platform, that device settings, because it is very reliable. It is very safe. It is very secure. And so you could build this technology for cars in the same way. That's, you know, we have talked in the past about how people have the keyless entry that gets spoofed sometimes. And so you have these getting into cars that way. You can design it better now whenever everyone sits down, everyone works on it together. Security can be at the foremost portion of this technology, and that can be eliminated, basically. If everybody came to, together and agreed on the technology for fobs, the key fobs, then I don't see why they can't come to some kind of standardization over how we're going to do this in our cars as well. Look for it in a vehicle in the not too distant future, not this year's models, not next year's models probably, but not too far away. You know, first you have to get into phones, then you have to get into cars. That's whenever we start to see this coming out. So, you know, you're still still a little bit of ways away. Google has also come out with some Titan security keys. So these are physical devices that will plug into, it's either a USB-C or a USB-A or B device it'll plug into the side of your your computer it'll have a, a, a thumb scan on it for some type of biometric and that is your password at that point you don't have to type in that 20 character password that your company requires this is a much more secure way of doing it than typing in a password yeah you know all of your passwords will be stored on that and so it's uh it near field connects to your phone and so maybe you have multi-factor wherever Anytime you want to go log into some new place, if as long as you are, as long as you have an account already stored in the Google system, maybe it sends a notification to your phone, and you use your, you unlock your phone, and that sends the signal to this USB dongle, which sends a signal to wherever your computer is. Yes, this works. This is safe to unlock. The only problem is if you lose this little device, this pass key, this physical device. Now you've got to go back to passwords, and that's that's an issue. 
Right. And also, you know, a lot of Microsoft computers, you have the Windows Hello, you already have the biometrics unlocking. So not everyone needs this. Uh, it is useful in certain situations, but you can definitely get the same idea of using pass keys in a lot of different places. And again, they're only 30, 35 bucks kind of thing. So if you're wanting to go passwordless, this is a good way to do it. We want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed service provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers across the southeastern United States. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through continuous innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 180 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, program designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of business schools and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business strengths. This has become a proven formula. So proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need IT services, new technology, or have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. If you enjoyed our show today, we are here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4 p.m. And the show reruns Sundays also at 4 p.m. If you missed any part of the show or you'd like to hear this or previous episodes, check out our podcast. Available on almost every podcast platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music Audible, and more. When you're there, be sure to subscribe so you get notified every time we post a new episode. If you like our show or you have any suggestions, let us know on our website at www.techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.